You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Hey friends, Dan Duvall here to introduce you to this week's program, which is going to be a little bit different than our usual content. Today, you're going to be hearing from both Alex and Elizabeth Valero. Alex and Elizabeth are both major contributors to what's happening in Bride Ministries right now. Alex, for those of you that follow the church, has been my associate pastor for a few months now. He is also one of the coaches on the Bride Ministries coach platform and has blessed a lot of lives. Elizabeth is our director of live events, and together they are making a massive impact. So today they're going to be opening up, and I think you guys are really going to enjoy what you hear and what they have to say. With that said, I'm going to also remind you that dandevall.com is the home of all things Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. And if you are interested in taking a healing and deliverance journey with access to a ton of resources and support, that is the place to go over, comeraccelerated.com. Calm. With that said, we're going to get right to the program. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Those are your announcements. Hello, friends. Well, welcome to another episode of After His Heart. Um, you know, uh, it has been some months since I recorded, you know, one episode with Dan, and and now I have my beautiful wife, Elizabeth. A lot of you, you know, know that she sends the emails on Sunday and and, and she's been very involved with um, the events, an event coordinator in Bride Ministries and have seen her in the advance here and there. And and a lot of you have no no really story about, about where she's coming from, if she's a survivor of SRA or not, or, you know, uh, her past or, and even how we even met. Uh, some of you have heard the story. We've been in the in the young adults group to tell our story a little bit. There's a lot of new people coming to Bright Ministries in this season. And and you just, you know, you see me, you see Dan and our wives, maybe in pictures here and there, but but really not not much of 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 my wife's story. Uh, so so today it's it's her turn. I I, I prayed about it. Uh, God gave us the the go right to to tell a little bit about about her story. We really ha- don't have anything planned, uh, so we're just going to 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 talk and see what the Holy Spirit is going to to bring to the table. Uh, so so welcome. Uh, I hope you enjoy these 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 podcasts, these conversation uh, with each other. And 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 disclaimer uh, in 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 his panic or in our culture, um, we call. Um, I call my wife mommy, but it's not like my mom, you know, like not like a like that's not what it means. And I, I say this because uh, Todd Edwards once heard me, you know, call her that. And he was like, wait, 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 uh, are, are you calling her your mom? <laughs> and I was like, no, Todd, you know, like in, in our culture, it's very common for, for a husband to call his, his wife, uh, girlfriend, mommy. You know, so so I call her. If you hear me say that, it's 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 in that context, okay? Uh, so, baby, welcome to After His Heart podcast. 
Thank you so much for having me. I look forward to just expressing my story and sharing it. Of course, you know all of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have walked really uh, an interesting, it's an interesting, powerful, and full of healing uh, walk together. Yeah. It, it truly has been a um, a blessing to to get to to walk this walk with you and with our children. Right, and to see them uh, from from the time that we that we came together to to where we are uh, now, serving God in the kingdom, right? So, 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 how do you feel like doing a podcast with me and me interviewing you? <laughs> it makes me nervous. I still get butterflies like when I first met you. <laughs> <laughs> She's just being kind of no, I'm just playing. She's really sweet, guys. Jeez. Um, uh, so, okay. So, where would you like to to start, baby? What what t- tell tell us about 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 your yeah where, where were you born? I was actually born in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. I was born and raised there. My mom is from Guatemala and my dad is from Mexico. Okay, so okay. that's where I was born and raised is Tulsa. Okay. I have a mixture of two. Okay, Guatemala and 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 Mexico. Yes. Okay, and 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 how was that? Uh, you know, uh, being raised. In Tulsa, and, and give us a little bit of insight on your on your upbringing. Well, in Tulsa, I grew up in very much of like what you would call the ghetto. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it was, I would say, a rough upbringing upbringing for me. Um, it was different. I didn't grow up with my dad necessarily. My um, father and mother separated when I was around the age of four. So I didn't not I did not grow up with him. Mm. I didn't know him very well. Up until I became I turned twenty, that's when I searched for him and got to know him a little bit better and got a little bit more backstory. And as I continued my healing journey, of course, I learned a little bit more. Okay. And and, and what about brothers, sisters? How is that to to be raised? Not knowing your father, you know, when I mean four, you know, it's it's a very young age. It's a very different dynamic. I learned that I had, through my dad, 11 siblings, and I was the youngest of the girls. Um, With my mom, she had an older, my older brother and a younger brother, so I was the only um, girl in the family. But, of course, once my mom got married, remarried, um, I... What age did she get remarried? How old were you? I was around six years old when she got remarried. Okay, Mm -hmm. okay. So, so how was that? Would you, would you like to, to talk about um, it? It was different because it was uh, from one moment I was in like what I felt was a safe space of what I knew. I was in my dad's home, I, my family. I was surrounding for my dad's family. Um, and then from one day to the next, I was taken out to a whole completely like aspect of. A, you mean in your biological father? Yes, biological like, yeah, father. You were with your bi- biological father, his family, you know, around them. Yes. And then you get removed from that environment at that young age. Yeah. It, Go ahead. It was like a Monday I was living with my biological family, living with biological dad. Tuesday, next day, moved into the apartment and I'm living with uh, Wood what then was my stepfather and okay. I was then calling him dad mm. because of mom. Okay. Okay. So, so on that transition, how did you adjust to that? Uh, what, what, what happened? It was hard. I didn't, as a kid, you just don't know how you're suppressing things. Um, as, as I grew older, that's when I understood, but 
it was taken out of my regular environment going thrusting me into which wasn't a safe environment didn't turn out to be that way um and it was different mm-hmm. it, it it didn't feel safe mm-hmm. from the beginning okay did, did the other person came with 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 family or was it just him it was just him it was just him okay mm-hmm. so now that you begin to do and build your mom begin to do family with these Yes. With his new person. Okay. So so growing up then, uh, you know, would you like to continue with your story? And Yeah, growing up, I uh, had very little memories of my dad growing up. And it, it could be from the trauma that I experienced just from the shifting of the moving because there was a lot of drama behind biological family because my mom, the way that she chose to, you know, leave my dad. Um, so with that, it, it was a different to walk through. I'm in a different, I'm an, I go from a house living to an apartment. Then I started seeing just reactions from stepdad being abusive to my mother. Then he started slowly becoming abusive to me. Okay. Um, and it progressed more than that. Mm. So, and then of course my mom had my baby brother um, and it didn't change. It was just this constant um, physical abuse at one point. Obviously, later down the road, it turned to more of a sexual abuse towards me. Um, And then I I did get taken from, you know, from my parents from Child Protective Services um, when I was in second grade. Mm. So I was in a boys and girls home. So so how how did that would you would you like to zoom in and talk a little bit about that and and what happened at that time when you you got taken away? Yes, I remember um, that time what happened was that I had a- was asked by my mom to bring a purse to her and I brought her the wrong purse. And my dad, my stepdad was very strict. He was very rigid. They were born like in uh, what you called a rancho, which be the country living mm-hmm. over there in Guatemala because that's where he was from. But, but, but when you say country, it doesn't mean uh, like, or ranch, it doesn't mean like something looks luxurious. Looks, no, no, looks, it was very poverty. Yeah. Like, yeah, people down there don't have shoes to wear. It takes a four by four to be able to get into, you know, the Four-wheel area. Drive, yeah. yeah, like it, it's it's very poverty, low income people. Trying like, to survive. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, Survival yeah. mode all the time. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I brought the, that purse to him. To, to my mom, actually. And my mom it did not like the fact that I brought her the wrong purse. And he got very angry with me. So then he actually took those uh, belt buckles, those cowboy belt buckles, and just slashed at me with whatever he had on my back. I then go to my second grade teacher at the time. And she tells me, no, I asked her for a Band-Aid. That's what it was mm-hmm. because it was just so painful. I went to school the next day and I was just hurting. And I asked her for a Band-Aid and she asked me why. I told her that my back really hurt. She took me into the closet, lifted my shirt up and saw the belt buckle, you know. The mark. Yeah, the mark. Mm-hmm. And they called Child Protective Services. I remember being put in the back of a cop car. Mm-hmm. Um, and also... As a child, uh, my mom gave me this little ring that had baby on it. And for me, that meant a lot because I was like, I'm your baby. I'm your child. And I remember at that point, the Child Protective Services asked me what that ring meant for me. And actually for me, that what that meant was 
protection from my mom. And at that moment, I didn't have it. Mm. So I remember taking it off and explaining to them. And that's when they transferred me to the boys and girls home. And that was another experience of its own because you're going to a place that, again, you're being taken away from what you know and you're being thrusted into um, children that are in different situations that obviously you are or the same, but you eat at a certain time, you go to bed at a certain time, you can't use this at a certain, like, you can't use certain products, you can't, um, a chapstick would be enough to hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. So they monitor you constantly and it's a very rigid schedule. Mm -hmm. I've never been to jail, but <laughs> I would compare it to something like that. Like they're mm -hmm. very strict and you just, it does, it's not a loving environment mm -hmm. of what I experienced then. Yeah. Yeah. So, so how long were you there? I was there for a month. My mom then, um, fought, obviously went through the court system to get me back. Mm -hmm. So, so you were there for a month, uh, new environment, um, pretty much the basic needs mm -hmm. uh, with with the exception of love, Correct. right? Uh, just to to stay alive, pretty much. Um, I'm, I'm sure that as a young kid, a lot of processing and a lot of guilt and blame, you know, comes towards towards the towards the kid. Uh, they blame themselves usually uh, in these types of situations. So your mom fighting through the court system and she she won. She 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 gained you back. Yes. How did she do that? Still to this day, we have yet to talk about it. Okay. She has kept that to herself. Yes. Mm -hmm. I brought it up, but no. she, she she doesn't talk about it. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then you you come back home. I come back home. I do. What happens next? Um when I come back home, then I have uh my uncle which is from Guatemala as well. He's now living so in the your, same your, house. So your mom's... Brother. Brother, yeah, okay. he's coming there. Yeah, and then that's also where there's an encounter with him where he sexually molests me. Then that's... I, by the age of five, I had already been inappropriately touched. Um, and we're living together with this person, which is my uncle. Mm-hmm. And again, from then, um, there's some disagreement between my uncle and my mom and obviously my stepdad at the time. So we then move away and go into another house. So no one in my mom's side of the family actually approved of the relationship that my mom had with my stepdad. Okay. Okay. They were, they knew each other from a young age since they were 13 and no one approved of it. And, and what about the family on your dad's side fighting for you? Did they, you know, after your mom and dad separated uh, for for whatever reason, they were, you know, struggling to mm -hmm. stay together. Um, and and you and you saying that that you were used to your your father's house and the environment and all of that being removed. Uh, so after that that happened, uh, why they didn't fought for you, or do or did they fought for you? When I was younger, I didn't know. My mm -hmm. mom would always tell me that they didn't or that my dad never did mm -hmm. uh, try to fight for me. As I grew older and I started, you know, uh, searching back for my family and trying to get to know because my still to this day, I don't know everyone on my dad's side, my biological dad's side of the family. They would tell me how they would approach my mom and how they would ask for me and my mom never 
um, wanted to, even for my dad as well. They did go through the court system. But because my dad was also in things that he shouldn't have, he didn't have that much of a leverage. He was a drug dealer at the time, basically. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, yeah, it's then that will, of course, he doesn't want any type of involvement with 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 the uh, with the court system and yeah and all of that okay so then what happens next um we move uh, into this house which is mostly a low income community as well from that house on from the longest that i can remember that's when my stepdad started sexually abusing me mm-hmm. very um violent with my mom um very demeaning with her Um, as well as with my little brother, circumstances that would traumatize a child. Um, A lot of instances happened between, like, we would, of course, in that time, what my mom was doing is bringing her siblings over from Guatemala over to the U.S. So Mm -hmm. anytime a brother or sister came, which was mostly two sisters, they would come over um, and then they would stay and live with us for a period of time. During that period of time, there, there was an instance where... My stepdad cheated on my mom with one of her sisters. Mm. And that for me, I think, um, no, I know for sure that for me was a really hard time because a lot of questions that get asked, you know, when you're when you don't walk that walk of going through when someone sexually abuses you, a lot of the questions that people ask is how come you never said anything? Why you didn't say anything? Um, And. That was my first moment that I had true fear of my mom dying. I, I, I it, as a child, that's how I registered it. Reality. Yes, it just hit me because um, my stepdad opens the door, and I'm sleeping with my aunt. We shared a room, and he comes in, and he's like, "You need to tell her the truth." And I, as a child, seven years old, I'm asking myself what's going on, and obviously the adults understood. Mm-hmm. And I see my aunt just saying, "What are you talking? What are you talking about? What is it?" And then all of a sudden, I see my mom just screaming, and she's like trying to look for a gun. And as a child, you're like, "What is going on?" My mm-hmm. stepdad runs into the room, goes and grabs the gun, and just to, uh, from what I know, he went to go bury it. My aunt then left, left me alone with my abuser, basically, mm-hmm. and. At one point, I walk in to check on my mom, and my mom is foaming from the mouth, mm. and her eyes are completely backwards, and I'm terrified as a child. I don't know what to do, and then my stepdad is, I'm going to leave. I can't be here. I can't, you know, and me as a child, what am I going to do? I don't, I, I think my mom is dying, mm-hmm. and I, I've regretted this as, you know, like before I met, met Christ, the, my biggest regret was asking him to stay. I asked my own abuser to stay and help. And that was trauma seeing my mom and knowing that any, um, how do you say this, gusto, like any. Enjoyment? No, not enjoyment, but seeing her go through something really hard or anything that could cause her any strife or stress could cause something like that. From then on, my mind just registered. And from that age on, I didn't ever, I never wanted to get your mom angry or, or anything. Yeah, exactly. I I know, I know, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Mm -hmm. Yes. So that for me, and 
the weird, crazy part about it is that he somehow knew what to do. I remember him coming and grabbing a white towel and putting something around my mom's face. And the next day, my mom would be completely fine. Mm -hmm. And it happened more than once. Mm -hmm. So anytime my mom had one of those episodes, he knew exactly what to do. And for me, it was like, okay, my mom is okay. I don't know what he's using, but my mom is fine. And she's alive. Like, that was my my priority as a kid is to make sure my mom was okay and happy. That's all I wanted. Mm, okay. And folks, um, we we are talking about these things. And I just want you as well to let you know that um, we have walked this walk of healing. Yes. And we have, um, you know, already uh, healed, me as a husband as well, from a lot of these things. And um, I actually did met this man once. Uh, yes, you did. <laughs> I did. Um, yeah, it was knowing what I know, right, as your husband. And, and it was a long time ago when I met him. I mean, we've been together already for like six years almost. Mm -hmm. So it was it was like when we first got together and, um, and, and, and I met him and it didn't go well for him. Uh, I'm not very proud of that, but it didn't went... Very well. But at the time as well, I was not, I, ha I had not gone through my healing journey or coaching no. or, or anything like that. You know, I, I was going through my own deliverance. Um, and, um, and, 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 and I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm just being honest, right? I didn't, I didn't know God as my protector at the time, right? And, and me coming from the lifestyle that I came from. Uh, and uh, the Illuminati and, you know, knowing the people that I knew, I still had connections to. So, and I was fragmented too, right? Mm -hmm. um, you saw it. Yeah. And, and yeah, when, when, when I met him, it, it, it was, it was an encounter. Like he, 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 I, folks, I, I, I once again, uh, I'm not very proud of these. Uh, but he 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 saw a a wall very tough to to go through and uh, so much so that he left the states mm -hmm. after after that encounter with me and he went back to to Guatemala um and so yeah but, but we have walked this walk together and 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 I, and I really really um, have seen you, uh, baby, how from when I met you to where you are now, it, it has been a, a lot of time, a lot of um, seeking the Lord. And you went through your own as well, period of coaching. Yes. Uh, you know, for some, some things that still needed to be, uh, you know, worked through and talked to a, a godly woman of God, right? That, so, so, so your mom, um, now is having these episodes, and now it's like abuse. Mm -hmm. um, your abuser becomes your savior, or the savior of your mother as yes. well, because there's no one stepping in to help. Mm -hmm. And 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 also, I want to talk about the difference between because like we we've, we've gone through through your healing baby and the the difference between 
the SRA survivor mm -hmm. and the violence and sexual abuse survivor. Uh, my wife is in the in the latter, on the on the second category, not on the on the on the first category. I, I apologize for that. Um, let me put it on to not disturb. So, my my wife is is in the second category. Uh, we when when I when I met you, you you didn't look like. You know, you had all of these past um, happening to you, mm -hmm. and I think you already gave a little, a little good understanding to people. Unless you want to say something else uh, on that on that age group, um, but if not, I want to speed it up a little bit yeah. more to maybe your teens, of course, and then from when we met to to mm -hmm. all the way to to when we met. So I would say because of the childhood and how I grew up and seeing everything that I see uh, saw, what you did mention is that I didn't come off across as everything that was going on, of course, in my childhood because I learned how to mask that very well. And I did everything that I could to stay busy and avoid being home. So moving on, we're now hitting high school. Um, my We move again and my mom is still with my stepdad, still abusive, still, you know, doing the things that we're just growing up in this abusive household, sexually molested still. And when we move to this no, new house, he stops. So, 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 so as well, the people, um, I try to, you know, move it along, but yeah. to, to close this chapter, he cheats on your, on your, on, on your mom. Yes. She doesn't leave him. No. She stays with him and Correct. it continues. It continues. Okay, go ahead. And we move on to another house. His sexual uh, sexual abuse stops. Physical abuse is, ha was always there. He now then has his three children move in from Guatemala over. My mom takes them in, treats them, you know, as her own children. But then both of her sons start sexually molesting his. me. His. Okay. Yes. And we walk. I am still going through that trauma of just not knowing what to do, just freezing in the moments and just really at that point, I'm going through high school. I'm, I'm actually one of, I call her my cousin. Um, we started uh, basically rekindling of who we are in friendships because they were connected to my biological father. So then she starts taking me to church. My mom did not like that because that church was actually, that's where my mom met my dad was through that church. So, so you got you, another person comes in from in high school. Yes. And she is your friend. You call her your sister. My cousin. Your cousin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And she's now, when you're in high school, taking you to to church. Did this family knew your dad? Yes. They did. Okay. They did. Um, her. It would have been her aunt was actually married to one of my older brothers. On your dad's side. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So very intentionally, they begin to take you. Yes. To, yes. Was this a Christian church? Was this? It was a Baptist church. Okay. Yes. And that's where I grew up when I was little. A lot of the memories that I do have growing up was from that church. Go being in that church environment. Um, that's what I always enjoyed being around the presence of God. Even though you know what I know now, you know, growing up in a Baptist community, but I still always, as a child, had that yearning to seek God. Um, 
there would be times that me and my mom as a teenager who fights to go to church versus going to the mall or going to the movies. I wanted to go to church. Um, but my mom did not like it because the fact that my biological family members were my biological dad's family members were there. So she tried to avoid as much as possible to just separate me from that side of the family. So then it moves on to being isolated that way. But I still would see her. We were, you know, re really good friends. We would play soccer and do all these activities. Like I said, I would try to stay as busy as I could. Finally, I mustered up the courage to tell my mom about what had been going on. And you're talking about the abuse? Yes, the molestation, yeah. Well, yeah. How did she react it? Um, I sat her down and I remember I was shaking in fear and I sat her down and I looked at her and I said, mom, they're touching me at night. And she just looked at me. And when she looked at me, she got up and went into her room and closed the door. Hmm. And I remember sitting there and shocked at the fact that she had reacted the way she did. But then like anger started coming on. And I was 17 at the time when I finally said, so from the age of five to the age of 17, I finally, you know, mm -hmm. but it, in my mind, I'm like, if it, it, depending on how she reacts to me telling her that my two stepbrothers are sexually molesting me is what I'm going to start telling her everything, you know, the abuse that her own husband is doing it, that, her, you know, her own brother did it to me and so on and so forth. Um, but she didn't. She didn't ask any questions. So because of that, I got really angry. And the next day I went to my school counselor and I told her what happened. And from that process, it wasn't easy. That was another traumatic experience because I'm sitting down with the police officer interrogating and asking me basically if I liked at the fact that it happened, did I want it to happen? So it was not, it wasn't a safety um, interview that I was having, it was more of an interrogation, like if I had caused it. So then more guilt set on me. And then again, I rem I'm removed from my mom's house and I'm in a boys and girls home again mm -hmm. at the age of 17. How long were you there this time? I was there about a month as well. But they, because I had such good grades and I was like an honor student in my high school, they did allow me to have more. They would take me actually because I had a job at the time. So they would take me to work and they would um, come and pick me up. But in that same job, I actually had one of my stepbrothers working. And one time he sat me down and basically was like, you need to just make this better so you can come home because mom, because that's what he called her. Mom is just like really stressed and basically just asking me to recant what I said. Yeah. Did you? No. You, you, you stayed with the truth? I stayed with the truth. So how did you, after the month, and you not yielding to the request, then what happens? Um, a social worker comes and asks me, Are you, would you be willing to go back home if they're not living there? I said, if they're not living there, yes. Of course, I would be willing to come back home. And turns out, you know, all of the process goes through. And I remember the social worker's um, car, the trunk opening, and I'm getting my stuff out. And as I'm walking into the house, I met with my two stepbrothers. So 
I'm walking into that environment. I'm 17 years old. That's my senior year of high school. And then from then on, my my survival thought is just get until you're 18 and you're moving straight out. And I did have a boyfriend at the time, which I was 17 years old and he was, what, 25, a lot older than me. But my my thought process, turn 18, get married, leave the house as soon as you can because you just don't want to be in this situation anymore. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I did. Just wait until you were 18 and you yeah. left the house. I graduated, turned 18, left the house. So now you are out of this environment uh, and now you're out of the house living with your ex-boyfriend, uh, you know, or boyfriend at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then what happens? Um, when I left the house, my mom went into, she, I had phone calls from my brother, my older brother saying, I never want you to step foot in this house again because what you've caused my mom, because she had an episode again, what you've caused my mom, you know, like I will never forgive you because my mom could die from this. So it was a lot of manipulation. And then, so I just completely close contact And it wasn't until one day my mom actually called me and she's like, why haven't you visited me? And because I grew up in that constant trauma bond and going through this process, I went back to her house. Like I didn't live, but I would go back and visit. We would have family events. And through these families events, I would always see my abusers all the time. And in my head, I thought, I just have to suck it up and keep going and deal with this and eternally and I you know deal with the dreams the nightmares that would come with it but I thought that was my that um, that was my normal because that's what I was taught Mm -hmm. and my mom didn't would not stand up and defend me she didn't do it still had not done it till then Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay so now that you are on outside of the house with this person. So would you like to talk about what happens and then how you continue from this point forward, your relationship with your mom? And then you mentioned earlier that when you were 20, actually, you you reached out to your father. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk about that, please? Yes. I turned 18 and then I obviously moved out with my boyfriend and then got married. Um. It was not the best environment. We were not ready financially. We did. It was a lot of stress. He wasn't undocumented. I worked like crazy while he was at home. So it wasn't the best relationship. And my my mom did not like him. But, you know, she because she wanted to have that relationship with me, you know, we we she conceded um, from then on. I, I turned 20 And I was really yearning to seek my dad. So I asked one of my aunts. They actually lived right down the street from where I was living at. Your your father's sister? Yes. Biological father's sister? Mm -hmm. Okay. Lived right down the street, and I reached out, and I got my dad's phone number. He was actually in Arlington, Texas. So I went to visit him, and I got a lot of the backstory that Mm -hmm. he did search for me. He did allow me to... He wanted to see me, but my mom never permitted it, as well as my family. Like, And then we started talking about memories together. And I, growing up, even though my mom seeded in me that my dad was abusive, 
my biological dad was abusive and that he didn't want anything to do with me inside of me. I knew that that wasn't true because I had memories of him. Um, good memories, good memories, vague, but good memories. Um, and we connected. We actually, he came to live with me for a certain amount of time. And he came with one of my brothers, which, you know, Choco. Mm-hmm. Um, and we rebuilt and, and it was a beautiful time. But then my dad was so used to not really being around his kids. He had 11 kids, if that says anything, and he was never really there for them. So I then became pregnant and I didn't want that unsta- instability for my, for my children. So for me, it was like, if you want to be a grandfather, I need you to be present. I can't be searching for you. I did my side. Now I felt like he had to input, put in work as a grandfather. Which is fair. Fair yeah. to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So from then, it was just a bad decision. Uh, <laughs> I think it was at that point, we were then four years married in and you know, the immigration process that goes through, he moves to, he goes, has to leave the States to go to Mexico, fix his paperwork. When he leaves, I realize that I had been carrying all the weight. Yeah, and, I, and, and yeah, you, you kind of sugarcoated, but the, the men that you used to be with, they were um, lazy and they, oh, yeah. they, they, they were not, uh, you know, they were boys. They, they yes. were not you know, stepping into, into the plate. Um, and so you realize this, yes, that you are the one that is doing everything and working and paying bills, raising kids, all of that. Yes. I, I quickly see that it was just me. So then at that point I asked for a divorce. I want nothing to do, nothing to do. Um, and it, it it caused a lot of drama as well on my side of the family and all of this. And if I we go from that, he's still over there. I'm here. I'm in Oklahoma. I'm with, you know, my daughter. Um, and I'm just working. I worked at the bank at that time trying to make ends meet, making car payments. I had bought a house at the time. So I didn't have time to enjoy what you would say, like in your twenties, you want to do stuff. I know my focus was like, I have to pay bills. I have to survive. It was just survival mode for me. And that's what it was. The stress on top of stress. And that's when I, um, meet my, our, our, my daughter's biological dad at the time, you know, again, because we'd known each other since middle school. And of course that relationship started and it was, I was still married at the time because, you know, he was out of state and, you know, out of the country, should I say. And we re- we rekindle a-, a friendship and then it started to date. Everything's fine. You know, we move in together. Everything's fine. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. Um, one of those people that I would put it, wouldn't break a glass in front of you, but behind closed doors, a completely different person. And it was the honeymoon phase and it slowly projected into something else. So then before I knew it, I was in an abusive relationship and it was so chaotic. So 
intense and time and time again that I tried to leave, I was manipulated back into that relationship. But the thing here was if I tried to express to anyone what he had done, no one would believe me because the facade he put on was completely different than what I would see behind closed doors. And through that process, my daughters were both seeing this. And it was just abusiveness. And I would excuse it because it would be like, I pushed you and then you pushed me. I'm trying to get out of the door and I'm trying to slide my hand into the door to be able to get out. But out of his anger for me wanting to get out, he slams the door, car door or a regular door on my hand. It it was a constant state of survival, constant belittling behind. But then I would go back because then I would go to my mom and stay with my mom and then he would sweet talk me. And he was not, not, not really any better. No, it wasn't. <laughs> you know, it was going that, that, into the same thing, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it never stopped. There was no exit. No. No. And I remember one point we had gone out one night. And when we went out, he, that was the time that he slammed the car door on my hand. And it was because he was accusing me of cheating, but he was completely drunk. And I try to walk to my mom's house because it was like four blocks away from where we lived. And I remember he grabbed me by the hair and drug me back into the house. And he slammed me on the bed. And then at that point, I remember thinking in my head, there's no excuse. And... I tried to get out and he didn't let me. He closed the door on me. So back then, you know, I I didn't come to know what AC, you know, central air and heat was until I met you. <laughs> um, it was the the door un- the window units for the AC. And I tried to unhook it to be able to get out. And when I did, he walked in on me and he grabbed me again and slammed me. So this time I waited for a little bit for that to go by. As soon as like I noticed it felt like he was comfortable and he was somewhere else, I knocked out the air unit. And I was in a dress, a short dress, because we had just gone out to the club, you know, before Christ. And I jumped out the window and I ran as fast as I could. But here's my mistake. I ran as fast as I could to his brother's house. He opens the door. Of course, he sees bruises on me and asks me what happens. And I tell him. He then takes me to you know, my boyfriend's um, mom's house at the time. And I tell her what happens. And she's like, oh, it'll be okay. Just lay down. And I just laid there on the couch. Yeah. <laughs> this is actually, last night we went out. And and we were having the, this conversation and, and how, um, in, in, in Hispanic community, not not everybody, but, you know, I mean, I have my fair share of encounters with 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 people of my own, you know, ethnicity. <laughs> yeah, we see this pattern that that the mom always overprotects over, like they they they're very blind. They play the blind game on 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 their on their sons, specifically the males. They, they do. can do, undo, break, build, whatever, 
and and they don't hold them accountable. It's different on on, on with with the, with the girls. Um, they they're more like, oh, you gotta stay in the kitchen. You gotta do this. You gotta mm-hmm. do that. You gotta you know. And you you submit, of course, is the wrong submission. And 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 these that when when you told me about all of these, um, I I even you know I I knew where this was coming from. Um, so it, this pattern. Mm-hmm. Uh, also for us, um, we we always talk about this, and I uh, even when we're having conversations with other people um, about the mothers not holding, and that's that's not right. I respect a lot of the people that do hold their children, you know, to to their mistakes, but it is because of this. If if we don't stop our children from being abusers it's just going to continue down the bloodline and yeah. and, and and me as as a mexican person um i have done a lot of work to clean that specific aspect on my bloodline my grandma did it my both sides of the family um and it was always very hard to see that you know how they will impose themselves over their sisters, their girlfriends, their 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 wives, and oh well, that that's just what they do, right? Mm-hmm. Always you hear it all the time. Um, so yeah, that that that's a that's a trigger for me. <laughs> it's like uh, just let them be because even if my throughout you know if you go back to my story and you listen to it, my mom was letting the same thing happen with my stepbrothers as well and same allowing thing. it to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, so yes, and it, you're the one at fault. The, yes. the, the women, the, the girls mm-hmm. are always at fault. Yes, always at fault. Yeah, what did you do? Provoke it, you know, and it's women do all the cleaning, all the cooking. They get their you know their way. But yes, that's what I was met with. And it long story short, you know, that that was five to six years of that relationship. And it, it it just the fights wouldn't stop. It kept happening. I even went through a miscarriage because he pushed me. And through that miscarriage, I it felt like I was going to go insane. I remember yelling and being in so much pain because that was my first real experience. And he was actually upstairs smoking weed with his friends as I'm, you know, miscarrying a baby and I'm dealing with all these emotions and traumatic experiences, you know, that you go through as a woman and seeing your body physically and also spiritually. There's a spiritual aspect to it. Heavy one. Um, And... Through that moment in time, I I will say I've never felt the presence of God leave me as I was going because this is one thing that I I would just always think about and in that moment in time it it was really rough really hard going through that traumatic experience I had never gone through that and I remember locking myself in in the bathroom. And I had grabbed a knife and I was ready to just be done. Mm -hmm. And thinking, I have nothing else to be here for. And I hear my daughter, my oldest one, she comes and just, Mommy, 
stopped. It was like I was brought back to reality in that moment. And God was telling me, you still have a reason to fight. Mm -hmm. And so I did. Any time that he, he would try to manipulate, you know, my ex now, try to manipulate. He would try to take the girls. That was his first thing is to try to take the girls from me. So I, as a mother, I always fought for my kids because I saw the perspective of what a woman growing up didn't do and so whenever he tried to take as traumatic as it was for my kids i would jump on top of a truck so he would not i would fight Mm -hmm. to the very last like i did he never took my kids away from me and i would leave and i would go to my mom so it was always this constant i never want my kids to ever feel like i never fought for them Mm -hmm. i would do whatever whatever cost you know and it would be going a lot of back and forth again, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember one time it got so bad. And I think that was the time where I had finally, like, he would try to take the kids away. And I got on top of his truck. And his brother actually saw me and prevented it from happening. And I grabbed my stuff and I left. And when I left, the next day, I had stayed that night at my mom's house. And I'm driving my little Honda. You remember it, mm-hmm. of course. And my two girls are in the back. And I've always, whenever I talk to God in my prayers or how, that's what I thought it was for me at that point. I've always been very real. I don't want to ever sugarcoat when I talk to Mm -hmm. him. And I remember I'm like, I have been through so much here in this world. Why do you still have me here? If all you did was to put me here to suffer. I am tired. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired is what I said. I'm tired. I need you to show up. I need you to show me the reason why I'm still here, you know? And I'm just saying these out of frustration and mm-hmm. just out of because I'm just genuinely exhausted. Financially, you're, you're worried and your kids and... I was the one that was always taking them to school and back. And I was dealing with the, I was just getting in car accidents every, you know, year. It was just in the abuse and then drama with my family. It was nonstop for me. And as I'm driving, I finally pull up to the daycare. And I happen to look at my Facebook and it's a message from you. <laughs> I don't know you were gonna go there. Yeah. But okay, we go there. Okay. It's a message from you and I open it and it's a song, a praise and worship song. Mm-hmm. And I open it. And when I open it, it gives me a sigh of relief. And I remember answering you and I said, Thank you so much. I really needed this. But I didn't know who you were mm-hmm. at that time. Yeah, so I, what I saw is I, I had friends, right? I mean, I'm already a Christian. I was about three years already into my Christianity. Um, I spent three years single um, at, right after I, I, you know, came to Christ. Single dad. I had um, Juliana, the, the the youngest one. She was about a year old. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm like changing diapers, giving <laughs> bottles, you know, and... Walking on my Christianity, uh, and I, I, I told God at the time, I was like, hey, um, you know, I'm not ready, you know, for anything. 
uh, when I first came into into Christ, and I, I I've I've done a lot, and uh, meaning a lot in the world. So I said, I'm just gonna take a break from dating or anything, and my focus was completely on Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and um, and he also said, yeah, you you you're not in any position to to be dating uh, or do anything like that. You know, I I made mistakes. But never solidified our relationship on those three years, and um, and God reeled me back in every time. But you know, I had made the decision to have Facebook, whatever, anyway, and and I had social media, and and I was scrolling through through the social media, and I, I you posted something about you know uh, something about being. Be life being hard or something like that, uh, and I don't remember a lot of people commenting or anything like that. Uh, and I I chose to so weird. Uh, God, it was like sent 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 this, and and I did, mm-hmm. and I did. <laughs> so, <laughs> so you are over there, you know, on the other side, going through all of this. And asking God for a sign that of why He 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 sent you to to the world. <laughs> yeah, I was very upset. <laughs> <laughs> not because I sent you the, the no. The, I was okay. very I was like, upset. What? <laughs> I was very upset. This is at not the... <laughs> how I remember it. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I was very upset at the fact that I I was here suffering. Yeah. I was tired of it. Um. And, you know, you sent me that and we started talking kind of through chat, you know, messenger, getting to know each other. But I remember I really didn't pay attention to your profile picture. I think you had a picture of your daughter, Juliana, Mm -hmm. and it was a sweet picture. But this is the thing that I joke about is that I thought you were like Arabic because of this Middle Eastern, Middle Eastern. Yeah, because of your side profile, like I really Uh couldn't tell and it never dawned on me that we had gone to the same high school. I never put any connections together mm-hmm. at all. You know, I don't think I knew either. Like I, <laughs> people, I didn't know that that actually we went through. We didn't go to the same classes. No. But because I, my 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 mom and dad came from Mexico here to to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and you know, running from the cartels and all of that, and um, I. I was very rebellious in high school, and 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 they held me back a year. So you were, you know, I was older than you, uh, and but I was a year back or two, I think because you're already a senior, and I was barely like a what on what's it called a on ten grade. Sophomore. They held me back. I don't yeah. even know. I don't, I don't remember that all of that, but but yeah, I I saw you here and there, just like on the hallway or whatever, you know, and we. Used to switch different classes and all that, but when I when I messaged you, I didn't know it was you. I didn't. You look so much different because back then you didn't even use a drop of makeup or anything. No, I didn't. You didn't, and and so I didn't even recognize you. <laughs> I didn't know who he was. I was like, okay, this chicken guy wants me to send this, and I, I did. <laughs> I didn't know who you were, and so anyway, your experience on the other side of the message. It, like I said, it was a breath of fresh air, and we started talking and. I just, the way that you approached me, it wasn't like any, I, I was 
but then I was a makeup artist. I would go to people's houses and I would do their makeup, do their hair, get them ready for quinceañeras and stuff like that. So I was constantly getting messages from men and women and men would always come across on my inbox, you know, of course. But you were different. You were very respectful and you would always mention God. And, and it was just like this re not reassurance, but I, it was just something, it felt different. And we started, you were communicating, but you genuinely wanted to know more about me and not more about me. Like, you know, it just because you just, what's up, chick, you hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, that doesn't move no, me. No, no. So it felt different. And I think once, yeah, you invited me to go out one night and my mom had been pressuring me to go out. Yeah. She was like, you really need okay, to go Okay, so now out. you're living with your mom. I was living with okay, my mom. Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> and friends, we're going to have to end it here. <laughs> we're going to have to end it here. We're going to have to end it. We're going to have to come back. I just look at the clock. We've been here almost an hour. And... Yeah, you you're gonna have to be waiting for part two of these, of this talk. Thank you so much, baby. <laughs> Thank you <laughs> for being here. Are you okay with with doing a second, right? Yes, I am. Okay, if they want a second. If they want a second, yeah. Just put in the comments if you want a second, and we just see, you know, what people say, and if 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 we see that there's a good amount of people that wants a second, you know, sit down and chat. Uh, we'll do it, and we can go even, in, even into more more details of different things. Um, so, yeah, we, we're going to park it here. Thank you so much for listening after his heart. Baby, thank you so much for, for, for sitting here across from me. Thank I you. love you. I love you, too. Mm-hmm. And, guys, until next time, thank you for tuning in. After his heart, blessings. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Discovering Truth with Dan Duvall. Visit me at dandevall.com where you'll discover merch, books, and the opportunity to engage in our private social network. Join the tribe by subscribing to our email list and supporting this podcast.